Hey, what's up, Two Dope family? Uh, this is Gerardo Munoz. I'm here with my partner, Kev. And we're coming at you in a little bit of a more uh, somber tone today. Um, some things that we wanted to speak to. Uh, Kev, what kind of things do, do we want to talk to the people about today? Well, you know, it, what's on my mind, I think the minds of a lot of people right now, it's uh, the day after uh, the Derek Siobhan verdict came out and uh you know we just felt like we should say just a little bit not a lot there's a lot of people saying a lot of things right now yeah. um and i think that's important for people to process in the moment um first of all i just want to say that i'm thankful that uh the family of george floyd got justice i think first and foremost um i think that has to be remembered in the end um you know george floyd a father a son a brother you know uh a husband a lover you know a, a friend a companion a friend was is still gone it's still gone Sorry. way too early you know and uh we saw what happened, you know, what it took for a black man to get justice. We saw that it 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 finally was uh, effort from a prosecutor, prosecuting team that that seemed to know what they were doing, right? Yeah. Whereas it historically, you know, they aren't, uh, you know, police officers who are prosecuted um, tend to get, you know less seasoned prosecutors, right? Who make more mistakes. Yep. And, and there's a variety of reasons why we don't see convictions. And so I think yeah. it's, it's important for us to first acknowledge the family. Um, I also understand the celebrating, you know, and I thought about it as I sat there waiting, you know, and I noticed I was getting nervous. I was in a meeting and yep. at the beginning of the meeting, someone announced that, you know, that the, uh, that they, the jury had come back. And uh, during that meeting, I found it hard to concentrate. You know, I found yeah. it hard to really focus. And, and I was waiting uh, anxiously, right? As happens when you are black and there's these types of cases to see what would happen. And, and given my experience, like a lot of people have expressed, I was like, um, I don't, I don't, I don't expect for, you know, I, it could go either way. It could go right. either way. I was like, given all the evidence, given that there's a video of nine minutes and 29 seconds, given there are so many experts who said that this, that Derek Chauvin's actions inherently contributed to George Floyd's death, you know, but you still have in the back of your mind that he's not going to be found guilty. And for right. here, you know, Three, three uh, guilty verdicts on the three counts that he was up against, you know, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a poor you, uh, turn of words that people are using, you know, but if I could breathe, right, I, I breathe relief, right? And I don't like people using that. I can breathe, you know, being flippant about it. Um, but I don't know. Well, how are you feeling? What are you thinking? What are your thoughts? Well, yeah, man, like um, everything that you just said, um, obviously not. 
I know that I don't, I, what, what I'm feeling is not at the depth of what you're feeling because, you know, I'm not a black man in America. Um, and I think that my privilege has really been around how white proximate I've been. Um, and that's, that's a self-analysis for another day, but I'm like you, I was extremely nervous. Um, I was anxious. I was apprehensive. Um, you know, I, I, you know, this is going to be kind of weird to say, but I remember I was listening to, um, I was listening to a podcast and I can't remember which one, but they, but they were talking about how the jury was going to be sequestered and that they were told to pack for a long stay um, because they didn't see this being a, a quick um, trial. And then to get the, the notification on my phone that, um, that the jury was back was pretty striking to me. And I remember thinking to myself, well, this is either a really good thing or a really bad thing. Um, yep. And I, I think like, so you, you and I were both teenagers in the 90s. Um, yes. And uh, one of the most formative kind of experiences I had was watching the, the beating, the savage beating of Rodney King. Yes. And the uprisings in Los Angeles that followed. Yes. Anna DeVere Smith wrote a powerful piece called, um, what, oh, now I forget what it's called, but it was a play about, the the so-called LA riots yes. um and um and i remember you know this is my 15 16 year old my 16 year old mind where i was like well they got this on film like like literally we see this on film obviously they have to be convicted there's there's right. no way with this kind of evidence that there could be anything but a conviction. And, and it was deeply disillusioning to me because I think, you know, I, I had a lot of cynicism as a teenager, but I, I was naive enough to believe in um, the rule of law um, as something, justice being, you know, blind um, and the rule of law winning out that if you do, if you do, if you commit violence on a person, um, you know, in this kind of circumstance that there is going to be a punishment. And, and when, and when the four officers were acquitted, I just remember how that felt. And, um, and I was kind of reliving a lot of that, you know, anxiety because, because, you know, and, and just because like, I, I, I was like you, I was like, this is probably not going to go super well because this is just how it is. But to your point, um, prosecution seemed to take this really seriously. I don't mean to really make light of it, but it feels like the defense didn't take it super seriously. Um, some of the, um, the, and you know, and the, the defense was indefensible. Like I kind of had a feeling that their case was in trouble when, you know, one of the defense lawyers was quoted as saying, well, it looks really unpleasant. And I'm like, wow, you said unpleasant. Um, but it wasn't, these things you know and that's where i kind of felt like they were really grasping at straws um you know did you talk to students about this at all today no i i, I didn't go in today you have sixth graders oh that's right you weren't in today that's right my bad my bad i don't mean to put you on blast um but that's all right so, so i did i did speak with students today and i, I you know the, these are really hard conversations 
conversations to have and it's awkward to know how to do it because um typically if you say i'm just gonna hold space for any of you who wants to say anything or whatever uh, typically no one will speak right um but then if you say everybody has to write about this because we need to talk about this then you risk traumatize re-traumatizing you know kids that you have in your learning space that have real experiences with this you and i have an experience of of a sixth grader we know um being chased and tackled you know to the ground by law enforcement a few years ago and we won't like go into details but like these are things that that a lot of our students have have experienced and um so i i essentially said listen um i can connect this to the material it's an ethnic studies class um and we've talked about this theme a lot and I ask students, um, do you think that this decision moves anything in our country um, in terms of racial justice and in terms of, you know, the absolutely broken relationship that law enforcement has with communities of color? And it was just really interesting to hear what they had to say. So um, just a couple of quotes. Um, you know, this is from one uh, young white student who said, it makes me worry that this verdict was only reached because this was such a high profile case and there was so much attention on it, but the less famous cases won't reach the same verdict just because there isn't as much pressure on people to do the quote right thing. And I thought that was really astute to kind of say, you know, um, the concern is that we solved racism. Like we solved racism. It's over because, because one police officer was convicted of killing one man. Um, and saying that, what about all these other cases? And another student brought up literally um, a young woman in Columbus, Ohio, was killed by police like that night. And, um, you know, and so it was interesting talking to the students because we sort of got into, um, you know, some uh, some questions. One student that you and I have in common uh, as we kind of reviewed the charges and the and the charges you know, the charges are just really interesting because I feel like the charges were a little bit of a, it was a little bit of a beach ball, like for the prosecution to hit. Because what you're asking, and you know, I've got a CNN article up, um, second degree and unintentional murder, third degree murder, and second degree manslaughter. Um, and those charges struck me as interesting. And then this student that you and I both know, um, a senior says, how does one unintentionally hold their knee on someone's neck for nearly 10 minutes? And it was just interesting to think about those charges. Like, you know, and you know, I've, I've kind of followed the case. Like I understand the complexities of seeking certain charges, but um, it was just really interesting. I, I will say that I was really encouraged by my students who weren't willing to say that, systemically justice has been served um they were more on the lines of saying this is accountability and a lot of uh, a lot of folks uh who we follow on twitter have said this this is accountability this isn't necessarily justice for everyone um because there's still a systemic issue i, I just kind of brain dumped um and i guess if it's not obvious i'm i'm pretty i'm pretty ambivalent like i i echo what you say like i think that this provides accountability and justice for George Floyd's family and loved ones. Um, you know, but in terms of does this change things in America? 
Um, I, I'm, I'm not really ready to say that. Oh no. You know, like, and, and, and it, the interesting thing, you know, you think about change, there were similarities in the defense and you mentioned the, the Rodney King trial, right? There were since, uh, similarities in the defenses yeah. that Rodney King was on drugs. You know, we didn't That's understand. Right. We, we, we were threatened by him. Right. And so I think yep. there's still this, this perspective that, that black people, no matter what their age are, are a threat, right? That is the first thought of police officers and, and of us, the legal system in general and black lives need to be restrained and, and black people can't be trusted. Black jurors yep. can't be trusted, yep. you know? And so like thinking about those similarities, but then also the celebrations, right? And you have to understand why do you see the celebrations well, they're rooted in that history of being disappointed of the, yeah. you know, watching the Rodney King trial, yeah. watching the trial of, um, of, um, of the officer who killed uh, Mike Brown, watching the trial of George Zimmerman. I mean, going you know, back oh, to all the discourse around Amadou Diallo. Um, Amadou Diallo, you, yeah. Philando Castillo, all, I mean, con consistently. Yeah. And so that's why you saw the celebration. But I, I, I think a lot of people did understand, as your students pointed out, you know, that this is a small step, right? Yeah. Now, it's a step in the right direction, but yeah. there's so much more that needs to be done. And, you know, as the shooting of, uh, I think it's Micaiah uh, Bryant yeah. uh, in Columbus shows is that, you know, right before they were reading the verdict, you know, this happened again. And, and throughout the trial, we saw um, countless shootings of black and brown, a 13 year old boy, Adam Toledo, you know, yeah. shot. Uh, and, and, and all the time attempting to justify it with uh, Micaiah Bryant, you know, saying that she had a knife, right? But we know yeah. they've taken down recently, it, since this trial has started, white sh mass shooters, who had weapons, right? And um, it just it just tells you that we still have so far to go. And yeah. so we hope the Justice for George Floyd Policing Act is passed because we know that it takes systematic changes. But I also want to read this quote from Malcolm X yeah. that has been floating around today that I just think really sums it up. And it's on progress, right? And 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 Malcolm X. Uh, uh, says, I will never say he continues that progress is being made. If you stick a knife in my back nine inches and pull it out six inches, there is no progress. Yeah. If you pull it all the way out, that's not progress. The yeah. progress is healing the wound that made the blow. Yeah. Right. And so, like, I think it goes back and, and I think I heard something important from the governor of Minnesota yesterday that said, you know, George Floyd's story started way back when he was a child. Right. And, 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 and you know, his story was being shaped and formed growing up in the neighborhoods he grew up in. Right. And, and how he grew up and how he was forced to live. And they put things like the fact that he had heart disease on trial, right? Yeah. As part of it, when we know heart disease is a result of, you know, the systematic racism yep. when it comes to food 
in communities of color when it comes yep. to food deserts, the lack of fresh food, right? They, they tried to use his, his use of drugs, which is typically, you know, a, a way to cope with trauma that you don't have services that you need to get over, right? And, 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 and again, this idea, and we thankful for, for George Floyd's girlfriend, you know, and her testimony, which really helped us, helped humanize you know, Big Floyd, as they called him. Yeah. Right. And and yeah. and I think, you know, in the end, I think it's important to just remember um, through all of this, you know, that that a man lost his life and many others and many others. And I think. While like you always say, you know, don't don't let a uh, a win go to your head and a loss go to your heart. Right. Usually yeah. we're taking losses. But yeah. this is time. Don't let that wind go to our head. And today it was like, get up. Although I didn't get up, but I, I stayed home. Yeah. yeah. But I did that for a reason. Yeah. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, that we have to keep pushing. We're going to keep pushing on this yeah. stuff. And, and we have to keep fighting to get justice because they're not going to give it easy. And your student who said, you know, maybe this was just the case because it was big time. They, that student is really bright. Yeah. Yeah, and I had another student that so we, one of um one of our Twitter followers. I gotta make sure they follow us before I call them a Twitter follower. Um, <laughs> one of our uh, Twitter followers. No, uh, oh yeah, they follow us. Okay, cool. One of our Twitter followers uh, said a couple of things that were really important. So as I kind of um, you know, scroll through here, uh, there's a couple of folks. So key, um, you know, of woke kindergarten, uh, we interviewed them, um, a few weeks ago. Uh, they tweeted, there's no more space for this rage. It's raw and seething. They are murdering our kids nearly every week. Um, Makia Bryant was a child, uh, police murdered another child, another black child. And, you know, it, it, it should be noted that she was calling for help. That's um, right. That's right. She was and, in a fight. Yeah. And then, um, and then uh, there's there's an so Shay Martin Shay Wesley Martin uh, they're another one of our followers um, tweeted we can breathe but also remember that these guilty verdicts are table scraps compared to what George Floyd and Black folks deserve uh, dream beyond and demand more y'all which I thought was really beautiful and then this last uh, statement that um, actually one of my seniors also said um, my bad uh, also yeah. said. Um, yes, and I also still refuse to invest in the carceral system for justice, continue to dream beyond a dream that kills more than it delivers, fam. And uh, my, one of my students said, I consider myself an abolitionist, um, and I find myself really conflicted because I wanted a conviction, but yet that's still this carceral system for justice. And if we accept the carceral system for justice um, in any situation, you know, does that diminish our abolitionist credentials and what I said to them was it's it's an ambivalent space to sit in and I don't have an answer for that um you know I would invite you to sit in that space and think about it and envision another world last last thing I want to say that we should also um acknowledge Darnella Frazier um Darnella Frazier is the 17 year old who had the strength and the composure to record um, the murder of George Floyd on video. Um, yes. There would not have been a conviction 
without young sister Darnella. And, um, and that is a young person that put herself at absolute risk um, by doing that. And so it's got me thinking about if I can't single-handedly bring down a system, then what are the ways that I can be a rescuer that I can jump in and meet a need that, that exists right there. And, you know, man, I think like, um, I don't think this is why we started two dope teachers in a mic, man. This isn't why we started two dope teachers in a mic. Um, hmm. We started it. Well, okay. We started it being silly right after staff meetings, but, but, you know, I think that as, as we recognize increasingly that the lives of black and brown bodies are under constant attack and assault. Like th this is just, this is just the space that we all live in. It's not just in our classrooms. It's not just in our staff meetings. It's not just in our schools. Um, and, um, and I love you. And like, I, 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 it's just been a real eye-opener the last year, just really understanding that when we engage in civil discourse, we've, we've got to, we've got to, um, we've got to know that everybody has a voice out there, including a couple, a couple of pretty dope uh, public school teachers from the city of Denver. That's right. You know, and, and thinking about it all, you know, I think as educators right now, I think it's paramount that you believe in your heart that Black Lives Matter and you say it, you know, Black Lives Matter, not BLM, Black Lives Matter. And and I think every school that that the black kids enter into, because you can't educate black kids and know they're gonna go out into a world where, you know, they they could be ended like that. Like that. You know, their life, their life can end in a matter of seconds, no matter what they do, right? And it and that's the thing, it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter anything about you none of it you know it doesn't it doesn't matter if you follow the law it doesn't matter if you put your hands on the on the dashboard it doesn't matter if you had your keys and all your paperwork it doesn't matter if all your registration was up to date it doesn't, it doesn't matter, matter if you live there in our NRA man it doesn't matter if you live there and, you know, it can, it doesn't matter whether you are a human being that is um, experiencing homelessness or houselessness, or if you are Professor Henry Louis Gates Jr., um, who was harassed outside of his home, and he, is, he was a literal Princeton professor at the time. And so we got a lot of work to do, man. And, um, you know, I think that it's important that we acknowledge that this is... Um, this is an important victory in a very long um, conflict. And, um, you know, I was, I was encouraged to see um, that the Minnesota legislature is demanding that, uh, that previous cases be reviewed um, involving yes. police violence and, you know, for possible police brutality. Our, uh, our homie, uh, Jen the Tutor on, on Twitter, um, said um, that there's no statute of limitations for murder. Uh, she is a she is she is not a practicing lawyer, but she holds a law degree. And um, and I mean, for me, I've kind of got this energy of, okay, who's next? Uh, there's three officers who are 
very nervously awaiting. We've got to ask some hard questions and we have to be willing to get into this and, um, you know, um, and, uh, and just kind of, you know, pursue it. Um, while at the same time, understanding that we've got families and loved ones to be present for and, uh, you know, um, kind of holding that space for it. So, well, I think that's good, man. What do you think? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like I said, there's a lot to be said. And I think, I hope that people are talking about this with their students, you know, I think opening up the space, but, but continuing on, you know, and, and like I said, um, easily George Floyd sparked something that had been sparked, right? We can go back yeah. to Ferguson yeah. Uh, we can go back, you know, uh, to, to Trayvon and we can go back to Amadou Diallo, yeah. you know, we can go back, but again, um, George Floyd, there was something different mm-hmm. about it all. The context of when it happened, how right. it happened, That's right. um, that, that videotape, you know, yeah. the, the, the foresight of a young person to do what young people do. Yep. Right. And, and we, yep. we often could, but you know, that young person probably made the most important piece of video uh, from last year, yeah. right? The most impactful piece of video. So, uh, and let's, uh, let's not take our students' phones away. Let's not give them a hard time because they're on their phones all the time. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes if you talk to them, they're on their phones, but they still kind of paying attention to us. Yep. They, they very talented this way. Well, and there's also this question of like, what are you, um, what are you looking at? Like, you know, is there something, cause every now and then they'll be like, no, nah, man, I just, have you seen this video? This video is wild. Like they'll, they'll share that with you. And yeah, this know. relates exactly to what I'm talking about. Right. And so I just think it's important. And I think for us as teachers is just to, to take these moments and, and continue to teach through them. If you care about the kids and, and teach them to take action and get involved and, and, and then also use your privilege to stand up for, you know, black lives, brown lives and be willing to you know to to go to the mat yeah for black and brown babies that's what they need right now yep and uh realizing that it's not just about asking um black children how do you feel about george floyd it's about humanizing black children when you see them um because what what we saw um for that almost 10 minutes is the logical conclusion of a system that dehumanizes black and brown bodies like and you know so we 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 start by actively humanizing children and um actively humanizing our black children and our brown children especially so we we hope that um you all found uh this space that we wanted to open up useful um and we wish you all healing we wish you all reflection. Um, we wish you peace um, because we're going to need the energy to continue in this work. So I am Gerardo Munoz for my man, my brother, um, you know, um, the love of my podcasting life, uh, Kevin Adams. Um, we're signing off. We'll catch you with uh, another episode coming up soon. And, uh, and we just ask you to stay up. Yes. 